Hey, welcome everyone to live Sunday evening. It's four o'clock here on the West Coast. I have a special guest going to be joining us in just a minute. A couple of things I want to update you on, remind you to download the app, the Hope for Our Times app. There you can see what it looks like on both Droid and Apple. And yes, it does work. And there's a lot of people that are already on it. And along the lines of the app, there's this question. I've been reading the comment section. So this was for Lisa D., uh, who's our moderator. Thank you, Lisa, from Elmo Hell. And uh, the question, the words that Pastor Tom can't put out on YouTube, will they be aired on the phone application? So I think there's a little bit of confusion. Yes, so what's happening is beginning next Sunday night, it looks like we've been testing, it looks like it's going to work. Uh, if there's things that I want to share that I am confident that both Facebook and YouTube will censor me on, uh, we'll still be able to continue on the app. Uh, we'll go off the air on YouTube in order to avoid the censorship. We'll still be on the app. And with the app, it'll still put uh, whatever it is live. It'll put it out there on Roku and various other venues. Uh, so I encourage you to download the app. And also, as I mentioned, it will be on Roku and these others too. So it'd be pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. I'll be able to talk about things that... Uh, we just can't talk about because YouTube's not always all that friendly with us. Um, so I hope that answers that question. So you'll see it in person. You'll be able to experience it next Sunday night as we give a live test for that. I'm excited about it. Okay, a couple of other updates for you. You might have noticed this last week. I didn't have as many live streams during the week as normal. Uh, this week, I do not believe I have as many live streams either. What's happening is... I have a very, very, very small staff. I have volunteers and my son who works in the studio with me, and we have a jury duty issue that's been going on. So uh, because of that, it's, it's, a, it's such a limited staff, we can't do anything. I can still do videos, but uh, the live thing's gonna be a little bit rocky this week. I was able to have Lee Brainerd in last Monday. That worked. The rest of the week, I was unable to have lives, but I was able to do some pre-recording. I do have some messages we're gonna be doing this week. I have Alex Newman is going to be my guest, and uh, this is going to be great. If you don't know Alex Newman, Google him. You are going to be super blessed. So I have a video uh, going to be coming up this week with Alex Newman. I'll also have my midweek updates, so I'm looking forward to that. But if you don't see me on live stream, just understand what's going on. Like I said, very small staff. Everything we do is based on donations that come in. And I do want to thank you, everybody who does send us donations. Any donation helps us out tremendously to be able to move forward and do what we do. So just a, a huge thank you to all you guys, uh, because without that, we would not be able to do uh, what we do. Okay, we have a whole lot of news things to cover today, and we're going to. So I have a guest, though. I don't typically have guests on Sunday night, and there's, hence there's no jury duty on Sunday night, so I'm able to have a live stream. Um, so with that, please welcome my guest. My guest is Bill Salas. Uh, hey, Bill, great to see you. Tom, thanks for having me on. It's a special occasion, I guess, this, this Sunday night. It is. It, it is. You know, between jury duty and not, always have, not being able to have anybody on during the week, Alive, we'll still have videos, but uh, this is great having you. And Bill, it's hot where I am, but you live a little bit east of me on the other side of the big mountain. It's even hotter where you live. That's right, out in the Palm Springs, Palm Desert area. So about 107, but we're looking for the looking for the season to change pretty soon. Yeah, the, the 107 as we're going into October, but I <laughs> but I guess that's not real uncommon in the Palm Springs area too. Correct. Okay, Bill, I have a lot of things to ask you about, a whole lot, uh, but we're, I've been in Obadiah. I consider you an Obadiah, Book of Obadiah expert, so I wanted to have you on because uh, we're going to get into Edom, we're going to get into Hamas and Hezbollah, uh, different things that are going on, some of the works that you have done that are really going to be eye-opening, but also uh, we really got to look at today what's going on with Israel right now, what the real story is, Bill. Because, uh, man, uh, with Lapid, did you see Lapid the other day at the UN? Uh, yeah, I did. I saw that speech. Him and, and also Biden's th advocating for a two-state solution. Yeah. Interesting thing. I got a lot to say about that, actually. The, the related hurricanes that seem to be happening. And 
All right. We can start there. Okay. Well, let let me do this. Let me cover a couple of things with Russia first um, and some of the problems. And then I want to get over to the hurricanes. And then we're going to look at what's going on with Israel because uh, all all things, as you know, go back to Israel. But there are dynamics that are really ramping up when it comes to Israel, whether it be the red heifers, the pursuit to build the temple, and now Lapid and Biden and wanting to have a two-state solution and dividing the land, very concerning. Uh, But I want to go here first. This is from Russia, Bill. Uh, Yahoo News reporter, Russia State TV tells viewers nuclear war is likely and everyone dies. And this is after uh, Putin says, hey, we're going to mobilize 300,000 more troops. And he says, I'm not bluffing. We'll use weapons of mass destruction if necessary. So we are watching things escalate. We're also watching, Bill, this uh, push towards this, this global government. Listen to this. EU Commission President threatens Italy on eve of election and says, get this, Brussels has tools if the wrong party wins. So you're looking going, okay, so in other words, if the people actually vote for something else and it's not what the globalists want, they have tools to make sure that that doesn't happen. So, I mean, we are watching things. It is remarkable to be alive right now, you think? It's remarkable remarkable to be alive if you know what we know, Tom. You know, the, the end times is something we study and, and teach. But if you don't know what we know, what the Bible said about the roadmap ahead, it's got to be a perilous and nerve-wracking time for the common guy. Uh, I, I would say it definitely does. But hence, we have our hope because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so we have a couple of hurricanes. We have Fiona hitting Canada, lots of destruction. And then we have, I think it's uh, Ian is the other a hurricane that is threatening Florida now. It sounds like it could actually become a, a, a Category 4 hurricane. I don't know much about hurricanes other than the destruction that they bring. So I look at this bill, and I think I had Bill Koenig on a few weeks ago, and he was talking about each time the United States enters into some kind of agreement or threatens something against Israel, we get hit with hurricanes. So here it is. Here's what Biden says, Right. Joe Biden uses UN, the United Nations, to call for Palestinian state. They are entitled to it. So Biden is saying, yes, the land of Israel must be divided. I want you to take it away. I want to hear what you have to think of, say about this. Well, Bill Koenig follows this real closely. The more pressure we put on Israel to divide the land, the more we seem to get natural disasters that come directly in response to the country, like Hurricane Katrina, et cetera. Matter of fact, I was with Bill at a conference uh, on September 10th and 11th at Park Hills, Missouri, and he did a wonderful talk talking about the, the, the two-state solution stuff and things. This is That's just a broken record, Tom. You know, Clinton wanted a two-state solution. Bush wanted a two-state solution. Obama wanted a two-state solution. It's not biblically endorsed. I'll tell you what God's roadmap says, but we're, we're, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But yes, Biden said this, and, and Lapid was there too, and he said, "Here's what Lapid said: an agreement with the Palestinians based on two states for two peoples is the right thing for Israel's security, for Israel's economy, and for the future of our children." He declared. It's interesting that shortly after that, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in Canada tweeted. Uh, his support for the two-state solution and the tweet he says israelis and palestinians living in peace security and dignity is everyone's best in everyone's best interest canada is supportive of prime minister yard lapid's speech today and will continue to promote lasting peace and security in the region well just within hours from the time that trudeau stated that uh, tweeted that hurricane fiona shifted north to northwest and started moving into canada and within hours, Fiona hit the northwest coast of Canada. And here's the BBC headline says, Hurricane Fiona, Canada is hit by historic extreme event. Hundreds of thousands of people have been left without power after Storm Fiona hit Canada's coastline. Trudeau came out and said the situation was critical and promised to provide support to the Army. Now, meanwhile, while that was developing, Hurricane Ian, which is now coming to around a Category 4, was brewing up in the Caribbean right on the heels of Joe Biden calling for a two-state solution. 
And that's looking to slam into Florida probably early next week sometime. So, you know, is there a connection? How else would I said this to Bill at our conference? I said, you know, Bill, how else would God tell people to back off? I mean, would it not be through natural disasters and direct retaliation of us trying to divide the promised land, which is not biblically endorsed? So I think we need to be watching out for this this whole push for land for peace. It's nothing new. And it's just going to cause more problems for for America. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. So what, now we have Lapid, uh, the um, Prime Minister of Israel. So let me read a little bit of this. He he at the UN he supported a Palestinian state uh, at, at the UN. I believe that was on Thursday. And of course, he said in there there needs to be certain safety precautions uh, that need to be coming into effect with this. Uh, so I look at this, and I think, um, I don't know if you agree with me, but I look at Isaiah chapter 28 and uh, Daniel chapter 9 as being uh, both speaking of the covenant uh, of Daniel chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 28, the Bible talks about the time when Israel, Jerusalem, was led by these wicked rulers, and they enter into this covenant with Shul to avoid the scourge that comes upon them. God says, I'll annul that covenant. You will not be able to avoid this scourge. So I look at this and I think, I, I don't know, I, I still see Isaiah chapter 28 coming in the future, tied in with uh, Daniel chapter 9. And I look at Lapid saying, for the first time ever, I don't recall, has there ever been a prime minister of Israel that has said, let's enter into a two-state solution that you recall? Well, some of the earlier prime ministers were pushing in that direction. Ehud Barak was, of course, going to give up quite a bit of land with Bill Clinton back then. Uh, Begin, who, uh, not Begin, um, Yitzhak Rabin was in favor of this type of thing. So I don't personally think that the covenant has anything to do with land for peace or resolving the Arab-Israeli conflict. I think that happens militarily. Uh, the Israeli Defense Forces exist in fulfillment of biblical prophecy and they're taken out and and on our DVD we put together the time we show that they're dealing with Hamas, they're victorious over Saudi Arabia, they're victorious over the Palestinians who have representation from the Edomites, ethnical representation, Edom and Obadiah, the Hezbollah, Syria, um, Egypt even. So I see the Israeli Defense Forces becoming an exceedingly great army in fulfillment of Ezekiel 3710 and take, taking the task the Arab countries around them and terrorist populations within them. And then I believe the Arab-Israeli conflict will be resolved in that fashion. I believe the covenant with death and Sheol, Isaiah 28, 15, and 18, and the covenant with the many of Daniel 9, 27, is related to more dealing with Jews wanting to build their temple. And the, the Antichrist is on the scene at that time, and he's, willing to confirm, he's the one who confirms that covenant with Israel and the many. I believe the many is death and show. We, you know, we put a face on them in uh, our DVD, Tom. So I, I just, I, I think we're going to be looking at war in the Middle East. I don't, I'm not looking at this two-state solution thing is not going to last. I, I don't see it. If, it. if it does, it's temporary at best because Israeli Defense Forces are going to go to war against their enemies. Okay. So you believe, okay, okay here's this. Uh, this article comes out of, uh, I think it's Israel 365 News. Before religious holidays, so this would be just the other day. Uh, by the way, today is uh, Rosh Hashanah, uh, first day of Rosh Hashanah. Um, so before religious holidays, Hamas threatens religious war over the Temple Mount. We have that with Hamas. Then we have this threat. Uh, this is from Blinken. The United States will not be able to stop Israel if Hezbollah attacks over gas. Israel plans to begin drawing gas from the Karish fields uh, in the coming weeks amid growing Hezbollah threats. Okay, Bill, how real are both of these threats with Hamas and Hezbollah? Which one's the, the biggest problem, the biggest threat? Well, Hezbollah is the bigger problem because they've got the, the bigger arsenal, the stronger support from Iran. They've got 150,000 missiles, we estimate. Some of them are precision-guided rockets pointed at Israel. Uh, they are fighting with Israel over that Koresh uh, oil rig out there because they believe Lebanon should have littoral rights to that, and Israel is going to start 
shelling out gas out of that real soon because there's a demand in Europe for Israel to start supplying gas because Russia shut down the Nord Stream pipeline. So Israel is going to do it, and they're warning that if, if Hezbollah comes after them, and Hezbollah is saying we will go to war over over this Karish gas rig out there, um, and they, Hezbollah sent three drones over there to test it out a, a few weeks ago, and Israel shot them all down. It was just a, just a little, you know, warning from Hezbollah. But I, I think it's very possible that Hezbollah is going to come against Israel, and they did this in 2006. And they had a 34-day conflict, and about 4,000 missiles into Israel over 34 days. And during that period of time, most people in northern Israel were in bomb shelters for that whole month. And they ended up declaring that they won that war because it sort of resolved itself without any real true victor. And so they've held that that banner ever since. But at some point, they're, they're going to come against Israel. Hamas is going to come against Israel. Hezbollah can lob 2,000-plus missiles a day into Israel now. Hamas says they can lob 1,000 missiles into Israel a day. Syria's got chemical weapons. They used them over 300 times in their revolution. These are all proxies of Iran. And Israel's probably going to attack Iran. They've just completed their one of their largest military drills in decades on May, May 17th, three weeks called the Israel's Chariots of Fire, Fire Drill, where they prepared to invade Iran. And if they invade Iran, Iran's going to call in their proxies. So that drill included a multi-tasking, uh, how, how would they fight a multi-front war as a re repercussion of that invasion? And they even prepared triage setups inside of Israel because they expect casualties. Of course, because if you've got 3,000 missiles coming a day in, Iron Dome can't stop that. If you got chemical weapons coming in from Syria, uh, there's going to be casualties. And I believe that's pointed out in Isaiah chapter 17, verses 4 through 6, when Isaiah talks about the destruction of Damascus in Isaiah 17, 1. He talks about some casualties in Isaiah 17, verses 4 through 6. Okay. So you see Isaiah chapter 17 coming still in the future. Do you believe that is before the Ezekiel 38 war? I believe several things are before the Ezekiel 38 war because the Ezekiel 38 war, although it's drawing very near, has some preconditions. Israel has to be dwelling securely in the midst of the land, a peaceful people without walls, bars, nor gates, living in unwalled villages. And that Israel can't dwell securely right now because of those very enemies we're talking about that surround them, that have missiles pointed at them. Uh, and, you know, Iran's trying to go nuclear, and if they go nuclear, then Iran's already says they got missiles that can hit Israel in eight minutes. So, you know, and that's that Iran is subject of two prophecies in the end times. One is Jeremiah 49 dealing with Elam, and the other one is Ezekiel 38 dealing with Persia. So I don't see Ezekiel 38 ready to happen until Damascus gets destroyed, until the Israeli Defense Forces take to task the Hamas, Hezbollah, Jordan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, things we put forward in our DVD, Tom. Um, the and I believe those are part of Psalm 83. And then I then I would think Ezekiel 38 would happen. But I, I clearly believe it's, Damascus has not been fulfilled. Some people think it was fulfilled in 732 BC by the Assyrian Empire. But I point out because Mark Hitchcock and Andy Woods believe that. I point out that. Isaiah has 66 chapters, and 37 times he mentions Assyria, 41 times Assyria or the Assyrian, and never once does he mention it in Isaiah 17. But he does mention in Isaiah 17, 9, that the children of Israel caused the desolation of Damascus. Also, if Damascus was destroyed and became a ruinous heap reduced to rubble, which is what it says happens in Isaiah 17, 1, why would Jeremiah write from a different camera angle about 100 years later in Jeremiah 49, verses 23 through 27, where he says there's trouble on the sea, which, by the way, the Mediterranean Sea is where Israel has dolphin-class submarines they got from Germany that have nuclear weapons potential to launch from there. And they have launched, uh, they attacked from the sea not too long ago into Aleppo from those one of those submarines and took out the airfield air strip. Strat, uh, air strip. But Jeremiah goes on and says, the trouble to see it can't be, can be stopped. And Damascus is, is, becomes ashamed and like women, and is fearful like women in labor. And it ends up, prophecy ends up showing a lot of devastation. I think it's just another camera angle to Isaiah 17. So I think Isaiah 17 is definitely on the top of my radar right now, Tom. Okay. 
because uh, we do see the threats with Hezbollah uh, coming from the north. Um, with that, Bill, you had also given me a couple of slides I want to bring up. Oh, I want to mention this. Uh, Bill had also mentioned a DVD that we did, a documentary, um, and, it, and it was a pre-tribulation uh, prophecies. And uh, you can, if, if you want to know more, you can check that out on Bill's website. Bill, how do people get a hold of you? Come to prophecydepot.com, Prophecy Depot, like Home Depot, and we've got that DVD available for them uh, right there on the products page. So Bill has it available on his website. I do not have it available, so if you want it, uh, you can go over there. Okay, uh, you have some slides you sent me that I want to pull up here in just a minute, but also I'm in the book of Obadiah. I've been talking about Edom and the Edomites. I've quoted you a few different times on who the people of Edom are. Uh, Bill, give us an overview of uh, the book of Obadiah and how you see these things playing into or getting a better understanding of the, the last days. Well, first, it's dealing with Edom for primarily. So we have to identify who are the Edomites of old and who, who, they, who could they be today. Uh, Edom was Edomites. Edom was southern Jordan, location-wise. That's where the Edomites held from. And they were fathered by Esau, who was Jacob's twin brother. Jacob was later called Israel in Genesis chapter 32. So the Edomites, it's, a, it's their judgment. Uh, it talks about them coming together in a confederacy in Obadiah 1, verses 7. It's only one chapter, so I'm going to just say Obadiah verse 7. Obadiah 1, verse 7. They're in a confederacy. We're told that they're going to be, that they have a, a perpetual hatred against Israel. Uh, it says in Obadiah 110, for violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. So it's dealing in the Edomites today have ethnical representation in the Palestinians. You can follow their trail. They be, went and became Idumeans during the Greek period. They uh, moved into Israel. They stayed there. Uh, so, so Edomites have ethnical representation in the Palestinians. Not all Palestinians are Edomites, but they are definitely have re representation in the Palestinians. The prophecy says that the, the Edomites, in this case, I would say the Palestinians, Isaiah uh, Obadiah verse 2 says they will be made small among the nations will be greatly despised. So in other words, we look at the Palestinians today in the Confederacy, and they're listed as the tents of Edom in the Confederacy in Psalm 83 verse 6. They're small among the nations. They're, they're fighting for their state. Biden's trying to give them a two-state solution. They're never going to have, they're, they're going to be despised, greatly despised, because they tear their hatred against Israel. They're going to be made small among the nations. These are prophecies. And then it goes on to tell them what their their end conclusion is in Obadiah verses one verses eighteen. It says the house of Jacob shall be a fire. That's Israel, the Israeli defense forces, and the house of Joseph a flame. That's also the IDF. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. The Palestinian representations, and they shall kindle and devour them, and no survivor shall remain in the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. So, in other words, the prognosis for the Palestinians is worse than bleak, Tom. Now, Jacob, Israel, will have a remnant that comes through the tribulation and inhabits the Messianic kingdom. Matter of fact, they'll grow into the promised land, which you could actually fit 36 Israels, uh, the size of today, into the promised land, promised in Genesis 15, 18. They'll have a remnant. They're going to multiply like the sand on the shore, the stars in the sky, and fulfill prophecies and promises that God gave to Abraham. But the Esau will have no descendants going into the Messianic kingdom. So I, I look at this, uh, and I do want to point out the obvious, Bill. Um, I believe that Isaiah chapter 17 is also still in the future, the destruction of Damascus. I know I had Andy Woods on my program not too long ago. He doesn't believe so. Uh, he also doesn't agree with Psalm 83. So there are disagreements. I just want to point that out when it comes to certain intricacies. But we do know that uh, ultimately... Israel is at the bullseye of Bible prophecy. We do know there's the Palestinian problem. Uh, I brought you on tonight because I wanted you to explain Obadiah because I think I, I love your, your understanding of the book of Obadiah and who the Edomites are. I think it's excellent work. Um, and I find it very intriguing. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I look at Bible prophecy and sometimes there's areas where we can disagree um, we have different colleagues that uh, uh, 
that think one way or another on something else. Uh, but the reality of it is that we must agree on this. Jesus came the first time, and he is coming again. And uh, these are two key ingredients. And sometimes getting into these details, people can get really worked up over them. And I really appreciate having you on explaining uh, your understanding of the book of Obadiah and who the Edomites are. It's my understanding also with Herod, wasn't King Herod, Herod the Great, wasn't he an Idumean, uh, an Edomite? He was, yeah. His mother was an Abatean, and his father was Antipater, who was a Edomite, if I got my genealogy correct. Now, the Nabataeans, what happened was the Nabataeans moved into the southern Edom area, the southern Jordan, modern-day Jordan area, and the cultures conflicted. So through several waves of migration, the Edomites started moving into Israel, and then during the Greek Empire, they was later called Idumea. They essentially came around the Hebron area back at that time, and the Idumeans never were extinguished. Um, they, matter of fact, when uh, Caesar conquered them, he allowed 40,000 Idumeans to re re reinstate their ethnicity into the Idumean territory. So they're still around, and the Edomites are definitely, you can find footprints in, into the trail of the Palestinians today. Yeah. No, it's interesting also, Tom, I would say this, Amos has an interesting prophecy that he says in Amos verses one, chapter 1, verse 11. For three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast all, off all pity. Now, of course, his brother would be Israel. His anger tore perpetually and he kept his wrath forever, but I will send a fire upon Taman and shall devour the palaces of Basra. Those would be areas in southern Jordan. So some people suggest... The three transgressions were the Palestinians being involved in the War of 1948, second transgression 1967, third transgression 1973, and the fourth transgression, I would say, in my estimation, is Psalm 83, a final attack to try to lay siege on Jews in Jerusalem in fulfillment of Zechariah 12, chapter 2, when it becomes a cup of trembling to the surrounding Arab peoples. Now, a lot of people think Isaiah 17, 1 is still future, Tom. There's very few people who don't, and Andy Woods and Mark Hitchcock are among them. And, and I like those brothers. I'm not trying to single them out, but you know, we're told, Peter tells us that no Bible prophecy is subject to private interpretation. So I think that's in 2 Peter 1, 20 or something like that. So when you have different opinions on a Bible prophecy, unless they're complementing one another or enhancing one another, they're either all wrong or only one of them is right because you know god knows how they're going to lay out and he gives us the details of how they're going to lay out and it's up to the individuals to do their studies and try to determine if they're fulfilled or not fulfilled if they're for our time and that sort of thing yeah uh god conceals and he gives us the opportunity to to uh search out the matter and learn what it means and when it comes to bible prophecy i i like I liken it like this with Daniel, Daniel uh, chapter 12, he is seeking to understand the events of the last days. And the angel tells Daniel, hey, Daniel, I know you want to know what's going on, but that's not for you to know. Close up and seal the words until the time of the end. It's for those people who are living during the time of the end. And the closer we are getting to that time, which I believe is pretty close, um, I, I have a better understanding now than I did just two years ago. I have a better understanding now than I did three years ago. As I continue to look at things and God is continuing to unfold things, and I look at Israel, and what's remarkable about Israel to me, Bill, is everything is happening exactly as God said it would. And as most of us were looking at the Bible saying 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, hey, this is what's going to happen with Israel in the last days. I mean, we can look back Bill, at commentaries from 200 years ago, most of them were saying Israel's not going to exist. You can't believe in Bible prophecy and so forth because the Jews weren't back in the land. Uh, Israel wasn't reestablished as a nation. But there were those in past history, 100, 200, 300 years ago, that were saying, hey, I don't know how this is going to work out, but the Jews are going to be gathered back into the land. And the reason I know this is because God says so and Israel is going to be a nation again. And the ones that stuck to the word of God and believed God at his word have proven to be true. And as we stick to it, we look and we go, 
This is absolutely remarkable. The whole Palestinian conflict, the, na- the, the word Palestine, how it came about. Um, you, you start looking at all these different things, the attempt at a two-state solution, the attempt to have peace, the attempt to have some kind of covenant. I mean, how often in the news now are we hearing about this, uh, whether it be the Abraham Accords or these, these various other things? And then this is also interesting, Bill. Damon Duck writes, uh, for whatever it's worth, I've read other articles that say Saudi Arabia wants to merge Jordan, Gaza, and part of the West Bank into one nation called the Hashemite Kingdom of Palestine. Under this plan, the capital would be Amman, not Jerusalem, and Gaza would be ruled by the respected government of Jordan, not Hamas, the Islamic Jihad, etc. And then he did say this, I cannot predict how this will come out, but I can say with certainty that Antichrist will eventually confirm a worthless seven-year covenant. You know, so I look at that and you think all these different players, I find that fascinating. Saudi Arabia wanting to merge Jordan, Gaza, and part of the West Bank, the Hashemite Kingdom of Palestine. Well, um, I'll tell you why I don't believe that's going to happen. I'll just tell you right now, a couple of prophecies dealing with Jordan, Jeremiah 49, verses 2, says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will cause an alarm of war to be heard in Rabbah the Ammonites. Now we're talking about Amman, Jordan, modern day. It shall be a desolate mound, and her villages shall be burned with fire. Then Israel shall take possession of his inheritance. Remember, part of the promised land is goes over into Jordan and, and the northern part of Jordan. Zephaniah says it this way. He says, I heard the reproach of Moab, which is central Jordan, and the insults of the people of Ammon, which is northern Jordan, which they have reproached my people, the Jews, and have made arrogant threats against their borders. The residue of my people shall plunder them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. Ammon's going to be a desolate mound. It's going to be much like what happens to Damascus, and it's by the Israeli Defense Forces. Saudi Arabia is the subject of four different prophecies. That, I, that actually get into our DVD, Tom, so I won't rifle them off right now. But Saudi Arabia is going to have trouble too. But they do survive because Saudi Arabia, represented by Dedan in Ezekiel 38, verse 13, is on the sidelines protesting the Russian invasion, the Gog and Magog invasion, with the Shiva, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and the young lions. So Saudi Arabia is, their future looks pretty bleak too, as well. I don't, I don't get caught up too much in all the headlines and what they think they're going to try to do and this sort of thing. I just kind of go where I think the scriptures are pointing and the prophecies to tell, tell me the future of these countries, like Russia. I know Russia's future. They're going to be destroyed by God in an ultimate invasion. I know Iran's future. I know Turkey's future. You know, Can they create hiccups along the way? Are they involved in current events along the way? Absolutely. But we don't have to be guest, doing guesswork and throwing darts and pinning the tail on certain things because we, we know what the future says for some of these nations. Yeah, amen. Uh, in fact, I mean, one day you'll read where Turkey and Russia are not getting along. The next day they're entering into an agreement with Iran, and uh, the next day they're not getting along again. But we know ultimately where it is going to land, this Ezekiel 38 coalition is going to form so much so that they're going to come against Israel. So when you look at the Ezekiel 38 battle, um, do you believe that is going to be, uh, of course, speculation over uh, natural gas? Well... They're coming after booty, plunder, acquired livestock and goods, gold and silver. In other words, Israel's prosperity. So I think it's, and I do think also when they're coming to that Israel, it's an Israel that's much more prosperous, greater, safer, building without walls, bars, nor gates. Uh, the spoil, the Hebrew word is shalal, and it can mean spoil from the despoiler. So in other words, I believe actually they're going to be expanding territorially, like it says in, with the Jordan stuff. Into, incrementally into some of the Arab lands. They're going to take over some of the Arab resources. Israel's going to be dwelling more safe. They're going to invite more Aliyah as Jews will start feeling more comfortable to come over and have an opportunity to uh, go to a safer Israel. I think all that wealth, they may even discover oil by then. I think it'll include natural gas. I think it's going to include all the, all the prosperity they're going to get between now and then. And they're already very prosperous. So I do think natural gas is something to be watching for because Russia, the hooks in the jaw for Russia, it's interesting because now they, they were providing about 58% of the natural gas down to Europe. And now Germany's in a crisis right now because they, Russia shut off their supply. They're saying there's worse inflation in Germany now than there was with the Weimar regime or close to that. That's bad. 
So, you know, we got a critical thing going That's on right real now. bad. Europe's reaching out to Israel. So I think after the rapture of the church, which I would put before Ezekiel 38, I think after Israel's growing more securely in the Middle East, um, I think Russia is going to come along and say, and, and I do believe Israel, America's on a decline too. And if you have a rapture happen, a lot of good, strong Christians are going to be gone out of this country. So I see America on the, on a decline after that happens as well. I think Russia is going to say to their friends that they're going to make friends with Iran, Turkey, and those Ezekiel invaders just taking the North Africa. You got Al- Algeria, e- Libya, maybe Tunisia, maybe Morocco, uh, Sudan. You got the breakaway republics, some of the breakaway republics of the Soviet Union and the steps to Russia. And they're going to come against Israel. And Russia is going to say, look, if we can get rid of that little Jewish state, and it's not going to be so little at that point, in my estimation, we can control the world economically. I think that's where they're headed. Europe's in trouble right now financially. So I think I think it does have a lot to do with Israel coming into the limelight with their natural gas abilities. Uh, so do you believe that uh, the rapture could happen at any moment? Yeah, I, I'm sure hoping for that, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many different dynamics that are taking place. I mean, right now, there's a whole lot of resistance to this globalist movement that keeps building. More and more truth is coming out about the so-called science, which I've got to be careful on what I say there. But we're looking at these dynamics, and with this resistance, I really am wondering what's going to happen, because Europe, Europe looks like they're in a free fall. And Germany... I mean, what you just said, the picture that's being painted for Germany right now is very, very bleak. And Germany was really, had become known as sort of the economic powerhouse of Europe. So we see that going on in Germany, the rest of Europe's in trouble as well. I think personally, the, the, the real Trump card, and I'm not trying to be political here, I'm not bringing up Donald Trump, is that if the rapture happens, all these things come together rapidly. I mean, with and still come together the global order the harlow world religion uh israel won't have any protection from anyone around them not that america gives them much protection right now i just think you pull the church out of here and satan's ready to come out with supernatural deception immediately there'll be no more hindrance second thessalonians 2 he'll start promoting long strong delusion with power of signs and lying wonders i mean all that's just all, also part of the tribulation at the end times. And the Jews are going to hasten to put their temple together because it's going to be a mess going on. And they believe if they build that temple, and that they will hasten the coming of their Messiah, which they don't believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah. So they think they'll get him to come. The Messiah will come and he'll stop all the woes of the world and usher them into their messianic kingdom, which is a high point of Old Testament prophecy. I mean, the rapture is really the, the the key thing for me, Tom. I think once that once we're out of here, everything can come together so quickly. Yeah. So when you read in Second Thessalonians chapter two about the restrainer, uh, it really starts to fall into place when the restrainer is removed. The Holy Spirit working through the believers is what you're saying, and everything just fall rapidly into place. It's it's the believers restraining back this evil and the evil forces. Um, so. Along the lines of Israel, you, you, uh, what's going to happen to Israel after the church is gone? Because when you look at it politically, Israel doesn't really have any friends in the world apart from believers in Christ who are scattered throughout various parts of the world, believers in the United States and other parts. There's just not a lot. They, don't, they just don't have much support. Well... They're going to, in fulfillment of biblical prophecy, they're going to become an exceedingly great army in Ezekiel 37.10. They're going to take out their Arab neighbors. They're going to win wars. They're going to be gaining world renown. And then their God is going to stand up for them and stop the Russian invasion. I mean, they're going to start relying more on themselves militarily. And then when when God stops the Magog invasion, the Jews will not jump on the Jesus train. They're going to want to reinstate the Mosaic Law. They're going to want to build that temple. They're going to feel they can. When they take the Arabs out, they're going to feel they can get rid of the Dome of the Rock, although there'll be an international clamor on that, you know, because it's still the third holiest city in Islam. But, I mean, all these dynamics are in play right now, and I think that the rapture is the key point. Okay. So you have uh, a, one of the slides I want to pull up here, uh, Matthew, if you can. It's uh, 
with the, I, I think it's the IDF mentioned in these various uh, passages in the Bible, is that correct? Yes, I think it's one of the most vastly overlooked elements of Bible prophecy by our colleagues. I mean, it's an amazing thing that God said to Ezekiel in chapter 37, when he had the dry bones vision, he said that these, these dry bones are going to stand again, and they're going to be he prophesied to them, and their breath will come into them. And they stood on their feet and became an exceedingly great army. And we're told in Ezekiel 37, 11, that was Ezekiel 37, 10, that this happens when they say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. And it goes on to say, I will open your graves and bring you into the land of Israel, meaning at the end of the diaspora, the Jews are going to come into the land out of that terrible Holocaust condition, restored into the land, and they're going to become an exceedingly great army. And they show up all over the place. You can see if the slide's up there, because they show up in Isaiah 17, 9, there'll be desolation caused by the children of Israel. Obadiah 1, 18, the house of Joseph will be aflame. Jacob of Jacob of flame, Joseph of fire. He saw will be stubble. Ezekiel 25, 14, I will, I will execute my vengeance on Edom by the hand of my people of Israel. Zephaniah 2, 4, he talks about I'll, they'll take out the Gaza area. Uh, Isaiah 11, they'll fly down over the Gaza area. Ezekiel 11, Isaiah 11. I mean, I'm, I'm rifling these off quickly because you can see on the slide. All well, supporting- you want to know it's unfortunate, Bill? Nobody can see the slides. You know why? Because while you're talking, I forgot to have them downloaded. So I'm working on that right now. But keep talking because we're going to get them up here. As you keep talking, I'm going to get there. So keep going. Well, I'm not trying to be heavy promoting the DVD, but everything we talk about, they can see on that documentary we did. But the, the, the IDF shows up in uh, seven different prophecies with different camera angles from multiple different prophets, at least seven different prophecies that have not found fulfillment yet. And that's an amazing thing because right now they're ranked number 19 in the global firepower. They're behind Iran, which is ranked 14, and Saudi Arabia, which is ranked 20. But they are a powerhouse right now. And once they win their wars, they're fulfilling a Bible prophecy. They're going to become that exceedingly great army. So, okay, I, I'm having a hard time with my slide. I messed up, Bill. I owe you. Um, so... I'm looking at it. <laughs> You're looking at it. Nobody else is looking at it. Is what the problem is. I know. So I, because I blew that one. So please forgive me for that. So, um, but when I, when I look at all of these things, we'll get it up here before we're done, so everybody can see what you were talking about. So I just got it transferred over. So hopefully, Bill will pull it up in just a second. Um, so when we we think of all the different dynamics that are taking place right now. Uh, your thought on the red heifers is is what? Well, I think it's just another telltale sign that the Jews are about to build their tribulation temple, the third temple. Um, the red heifer was a key ingredient for purification in, in Numbers 19. Um, they've got these five red heifers that they shipped over from Texas. And is in the final stages of having everything they need now to construct that temple, which is Another biblical prophecy, John's measuring it in Revelation 11. He's measuring the temple and those that worship therein, but don't measure the outer court. It's given over to the Gentiles who will trot over Jerusalem for three and a half years. Jesus talks about when you see the abomination and desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet in Matthew 24, verse 15, then flee because the Antichrist is going to, you know, flee. The abomination and desolation is going to happen in the temple. So that temple is critically another important event times Bible prophecy. The point is, all the signs are converging, Tom. I think that's kind of what you've been talking about. Yeah. All the signs are converging. And one last thing I want to say about the, until you get the slide up, the IDF fighting in Bible prophecy and fulfillment of Bible prophecy is a pre-tribulation event because when you look at the tribulation period, the Israeli defense forces are not fighting in the first or the second half of tribulation. So they could happen even during the church age. I'm not saying... They will happen before the church age. We could be gone before. But the first half of the tribulation, you have the Jews are living in a peace because they've got a covenant that's been confirmed by the Antichrist, and they believe they're, they're, they can live at peace. And it's a pseudo-peace because it gets broken in the first half of the tribulation period and the mid-half of the tribulation period. And then the second half of the tribulation period, I just quoted Matthew 24, 15, the Jews are fleeing for their lives. They're not fighting off the Arabs. So... What we're talking about is biblical prophecies that are pre-tribulation, that are 
involving the Israeli Defense Forces, and this is not going to be resolved with a two-state solution. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Everybody can finally see all the different verses. So uh, <laughs> they're all there listed. Everybody can look at those. Take a screenshot of that if you, if you can uh, so you can hold on to those. And you look at these different things that you can find biblically that Bill is talking about. Um, Bill, okay, so back to the rapture of the church, the timing of the rapture of the church. You believe it is imminent, meaning it could happen at any moment. Um, at the same time, I think you and I would both caution people because we here we are, we're at Rosh Hashanah, and a lot of people are saying, hey, the rapture has to take place on Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets. Um, do you have any words of caution for these for people who get caught up in dates, it's a real easy thing for people to do. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there's been plenty of guys that have been date setting and caused all kinds of trouble. Um, it could happen during the Jewish feast, the fall feast, but I don't say it has to, and I certainly would never set a date on it. I hope it happens real soon. I'm getting desperate for Jesus to come get us in light of what's going on in the world. But at the same token, I believe it could happen at any given moment. I know Jesus is yearning for us come get us. I had dinner with Chuck Missler, who's since gone to be with the Lord one time. One of the, he said one of the amazing things that he marveled at is that Jesus yearns to come get his bride. And so Jesus is waiting for God to say, go fetch your bride. You know, so, you know, we got, we got that gravitational pull. He wants to come into the clouds and get us. And he's yearning to do that. Our mansions are probably all built in heaven in John 14. But I would say we've got to occupy and redeem the time because we don't know exactly when that's going to happen because God is so long-suffering, Tom. And he's still evangelizing supernaturally in Iran, and many Muslims are converting out of Islam into Christianity, one of the fastest-growing evangelical populations in the world. We can't, we can't put forward the prophetic calendar ahead of God's long-suffering and mercy. But when he says, Jesus, go get his bride, come get us, then that's when all these things are going to start to happen and God's going to start unleashing his fury, Tom. Yeah, uh, indeed. And so we must be ready. Okay, I have a couple of comments in here in the comment section um, the, regarding Shemitah, Shemitah years or the time of the Shemitah. So every seven years, you know, I know you've looked at that a little bit. Uh, I see that this is me and I know some of our colleagues you know, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or anything, but, but I think there's also a danger in that when we say, well, it has to happen. Uh, okay, it didn't happen in 2022, therefore it's going to happen in 2029, the next time around. Um, I remember in 2015 going through this and 2008 going through it. And, you know, you have any thoughts on that? Well, it's relative to Israel, for one. Um, it could have an overlap to us as well. I know Jonathan Kahn wrote a book on the Harbinger in 2001, of course, the Shemitah year, we had the towers coming down. In 2008, we had the global economic crisis. 2015, we sort of seemed to dodge. I don't think there's anything that significant in 2015. 2022 has got some issues right now. The stock market's starting to plunge pretty bad. Some forecasts are not looking very good for it. Um, but the Shemitah means release, right? In other words, it's when it was that time when Israel was supposed to give up all their debts, you know, if they owed the monies that they owed to lenders and the fields and everything, they would just set a time of Shemitah and rest and release and trust God to renew it again the next seven years. So, I mean, it had a very significant role. I'm sure God still thinks it's very important with respect and it adds up to the years, the year of Jubilee, et cetera, the big grand one. I just don't put too much stock into it, Tom, because, um, you know, it, it, I think it's more for Israel. Yeah. Uh, this question comes from Sammy A. Who is they and them? And when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will be brought upon them. I always assumed this was an enemy of Israel, but after Lapid's speech, could it be Israel? Now, this is obviously quoting 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, I'll put it into context, Bill, and then I'll let you speak on it. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul was writing. He says, hey, we don't have to sorrow as those who have no hope. And he's talking about the loss of a loved one. And then he says, for the dead in Christ will rise first. 
we who are alive will uh, be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So the Apostle Paul gives us the understanding of the rapture at that point. And then he continues from there. If there wasn't a chapter break, it's really easy to understand 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and chapter 5. Then he says, hey, you have no need that I should write to you concerning the times or seasons, for you already know. And then he goes on to describe, for, as, because he's already taught them before, but then he puts it in writing, when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them, and they shall not escape. And then he goes on a few verses later to say, we are not appointed to wrath, but we need to be, uh, we are children of the day, not of the night, and so forth. We're not going to be caught off guard. So who are they in the sudden destruction comes upon them? Well, I've always looked at that as that's the, the unbelievers left behind in the world at large uh, that have to experience the wrath of God. I don't su suspect it would be Israel saying peace and safety because sudden destruction doesn't happen to Israel so when they say peace and safety. They have three and a half years of a pseudo peace. So I think it's mainly a warning to the unbelievers that are not aware of the wrath of God coming, the tribulation. They think they're living in a, a global security, peace and safety. It'll be a global world religion. And then all of a sudden, bam, the wrath of God starts coming out. Yeah, I, I, I also liken it to uh, it's people who are not caught up because, he, again, it's in the context of chapter 4 and 5 together. He just talks about the rapture and he says sudden destruction will come upon them. They will not escape, not us. So it's because we've been caught up. Uh, also, what I find interesting is with uh, peace and safety, Bill, I'd like your thoughts on this, because this is going to throw a monkey wrench in a whole lot of people's thinkings. But in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about the days of Noah. Luke, he's also talking about the days of Noah in the Olivet Discourse. And he says something very interesting. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. People will be eating and drinking and giving in marriage and planting and sowing and so forth and building, right? So the idea, that's during the tribulation period. So the concept that Jesus gives us, of course we know in the days of Noah there was violence, sexual immorality and all these things. But Jesus specifically addresses things are going really well. There's, there's joyful things that are happening. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the people are saying peace and safety. Then it all hits. So there, there seems to be a coming time when things are going to look rosy for those who are, um, who are going to be left behind. Things are going to kind of start to look good. Well, I think if Ezekiel 38 is a pre-trib event, there's arguments to reasons why it could be. I think after the world's seeing what's going on, the church has probably been gone. I mean, we're, I'm speculating, of course, on timing and stuff. Um, you know, the world's going to see this massive Russian invasion get stopped by God. They're going to be blown away. There's, there'll be supernatural deception coming on. And all of a sudden, there's going to be this covenant made with this powerhouse superpower in the Middle East called Israel. And I think people are going to start feeling like, hey, we got some peace and safety coming here. We can go about our lives and get back to normal. By then, the global order is going to be way kicked in. Um, I just think it has a bigger picture of with respect to the, they feel that they do have that period of time where there is some some safety coming on. The hero's on the scene. The Antichrist comes out. Uh, he's he's building his political platform. He's going to bed with the Harlow World religion. Revelation 17, verses 3 and 7. Harlow sits on the beast. So I think you got that whole dynamic going to be coming. We're talking about a lot of things, Tom, that are going to yeah. happen after the rapture of the church. There is, and and I view it the same way. I think Antichrist is going to come on as the hero because he's going to be, things are going to be so deceiving at that point that Jesus said, if possible, even the elect will be deceived. So Antichrist isn't going to be appealing to just one political party. So much deception is going on. A lot of people on both sides of the aisle are going to be deceived. So he's going to seem to have answers to world's problems. And I think that it's somewhere early on in the uh, tribulation, maybe around the fifth seal when, uh, the, when the people who are coming to faith in Christ are being martyred, uh, maybe. And then again, that's speculation too. But it certainly appears to me from 1 Thessalonians 5 and all of the discourse that there comes a time during his 
early reign where things seem to be, at least people are deceived into thinking, okay, yeah, we've, uh, maybe it's those Christians are finally gone, and this guy, this new Messiah, they're going to call him or whatever, he's got the answers and uh, interesting things. Okay, here's this question. I am not familiar this, with this. This is from one of our regular uh, viewers, Bill, Paul Favada. Are you familiar with the Melchizedek Pesher from the Dead Sea Scrolls talking about Melchizedek as agent of God's judgment, not to mention his accuracy of end-time prophecy timeline in Daniel 9? I'm not familiar with that. Are you? No, but I, I would venture to say that Ken Johnson might be you okay. know, our brother's Bible prophecy teachers because he's studying the Dead Sea Scrolls intensely. And you can visit his website, Ken Johnson. I think his show is called The Bible Facts. You see it on YouTube. Uh, that's that's great. Thank you very much. Uh, this question, great speckle bird. When does the yoke pass from off of Esau's neck upon Jacob's neck? Do you know what they're referring to? Not necessarily, Neither. but uh, you know we had that we had that whole twin brother episode way back in history where Esau sold his birthright, and the birthright was of course the the, the point of redemption for man. It was benevolent for mankind. And we read in Obadiah 1 that Esau will be uh, low, low among the nations, despised among men. So I'm, I'm kind of taking it in a different study, but the point being is that Jacob took on the birthright and Esau gave it up. And because he gave it up, his descendants are never going to be made they'll always be made low among the people. So I think that carried on generationally as well as because they hate Israel, Palestinians today. Thank you. So uh, I have two, I have this, uh, somebody in here has a, uh, a uh, partial rapture theory question I'm going to ask you about in a second. I want to get to this one first. Uh, Jeff Hensley says, will we know our loved ones in heaven as we know them here on earth? Well, I don't see why we wouldn't. I'm under the impression we will. Um, you know, there's going to be resurrections of tribulation saints, resurrection of Old Testament saints. Um, I, I'm under the impression that we will know our families and friends, and some people even say they're animals, you know, they're pets, so we'll, we'll have to see. We will know as we are known. I firmly believe that I can support it biblically. I've done messages on this that, that yeah, we're going to know our loved ones and we're going to be quite excited. I think we're going to look very similar to how we look now, but we're going to have our glorified bodies and um, it's going to be pretty fantastic. Okay, this is the question. I believe what they're getting at, Bill, is a partial rapture theory where people think, let me preface this for everybody, people, there's theories out there, teachings out there to say, well, when the rapture comes, only certain people are going to be raptured at first, then there's going to be another rapture later, and then another rapture later, something like that is typically what it falls into, but the partial rapture theory can come in all different uh, flavors. This particular person, Catherine, says, there, she just makes the statement, there are different harvests, barley, wheat, and, and grape. The first escape is first fruits. Um, what's your thought on the partial rapture theory. I don't believe in a partial rapture. And I hope it's not talking about they take my left hand and with the clouds one time and then they take my right hand in the clouds another time and the rest of me goes up on the third partial rapture. <laughs> that <laughs> would just, be a bummer. <laughs> we all go up at one time in my estimation. All of us, we get resurrected and be with the Lord forever, get changed and twinkling of an eye. Amen. Well, you know, it's funny about that. You mentioned that somebody else just quoted that uh, they said, where in the Bible does it say Jesus can come back at any time? In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump is a specific time. Uh, yeah, it is a specific time, but we don't know when that is. First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 15 is very clear. First um, Thessalonians chapter 4 is also clear. Hence, we always need to be watching and we need to be ready uh, Repeatedly in the New Testament, we are told to watch and be ready. In the Old Testament, you have the, um, the watchmen who are watching, but God tells us to watch and be ready. So, Bill, I look at this and think this is why every generation uh, since Paul wrote those words to the Corinthians and to uh, the believers in Thessalonica has always wondered, are we going to be that people that are going to be called home? 
Right. And I, I'm thinking it's going to be us, Tom, really praying for that. I, I do, too, because I'm going to be really bummed out if we're still here in 20 years talking about this. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, listen, we're out of time. I'm going to get cut off from our uh, from our viewing time. So thank you very much, Bill, for joining me today uh, and for being with all of us. So how can people follow you again? They can go to prophecydepot.com, prophecydepot, like homedepot.com. And I believe we have all your info in the description here. Um, it is not in the description here. Matthew, make sure you get Bill's info all put into the description. So it will be so as people continue to log on YouTube, they'll be able to find everything to be able to just click and, uh, and, and uh, find you. And if you're interested in the DVD that Bill and I did, it's a fantastic DVD. It's exceptionally informative. It'll help you to form your own opinions. And you might agree and you might disagree. That's okay. We're not too worried about that. But if you, if you want to, you can go to Bill's uh, website and you can get that at Prophecy Depot. And uh, thank you, Bill, very much for joining me. Look forward to seeing you soon. All right, Tom. Okay. God bless. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.